Thank you all for joining us today. I am Kaylin Landry, a Senior Manager in Barry Dunn's Financial Services Industry Group. I am joined today by Ian Martell. Thanks, Kaylin. Really happy to be here today. Like Kaylin, uh, I'm a senior in Barry Dunn's Financial Services Group, and I'm really excited to be sharing this content with you all today. I think between Kaylin and I, we have a lot of great experience and, and just general knowledge on the subject, and I think we can put together a really useful uh, resource for you all. Thank you, Ian. Happy to have you here today. So I wanted to give a brief overview of what the podcast series is going to entail. So today during our episode, we're going to go over a series of internal control over financial reporting for banks who are approaching or at a billion dollars in assets and really the steps that are necessary to take to be in compliance with the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation Improvement Act or otherwise known as FDICIA. You'll hear that quite often throughout our um, podcast today. The first part of our series, which we'll go over, is really just focusing on an overview of the internal controls over financial reporting. And we'll also give a brief introduction to the 2013 COSO framework. And then we'll lead off into our second episode. We will walk you through steps basically to prepare for implementation of an internal control over financial reporting audit, followed by an episode on internal controls specific to financial reporting as it relates to tax practice and also a fourth episode that will go into specific controls related to IT segment of your institution. And then we will go ahead and conclude the series with basically some best practice recommendations and common pitfalls that we see during an implementation of internal control over financial reporting process. So through this, we really hope to provide you with the guidance and best steps to take to a seamless implementation of internal controls to be compliant with FIDICIA as it can be a bit daunting at first when you hear you need to have an audit of internal controls. And as always, we wanted to note that the information that is shared throughout this presentation is of our own opinions. Ian, I will kick it off to you to get us started with today's episode. Absolutely. Like you said before, I think it's a lot of great information to share, but I heard you mention a few times internal control over financial reporting uh, could you give us, uh, I guess, an overview of, of what that really means, Caitlin? Yeah, that's a great place to start. So internal control over financial reporting, as a definition, is a process affected by those charged with governance, management, as well as other personnel, and is really designed to provide reasonable assurance regarding the preparation of reliable financial statements in accordance with the acceptable financial reporting framework or as many know as US GAAP. And really what this includes is establishing policies and procedures. And you really wanna look at those to make sure that they pertain to the maintenance of controls and records that in a reasonable detail, accurately and fairly reflect the transactions and dispositions of the assets of the entity. They also wanna make sure that they provide reasonable assurance that transactions are properly authorized and in accordance with the institution's management and those charged with governance. Finally, you wanna make sure that these policies and procedures provide reasonable assurance regarding prevention or timely detection and correction of any unauthorized transactions that could have a material effect on your entity's financial statements. All right. Now I heard you mention a couple of times both financial reporting frameworks and assurance that sounds like something that would require an audit. What would that entail? 
Are there audits of internal control over financial reporting? Yeah, and that's really why a lot of times you have to prepare for this. And so there are audits of internal control over financial reporting. And what these audits do is really addresses the design and operating effectiveness of an entity's internal control over financial reporting. Although the objectives of an audit of an internal control over financial reporting and a financial statement audit are different, the auditor can perform what we call an integrated audit. And really this is to achieve both the internal control over financial reporting and a financial statement audits respective objectives simultaneously. And a lot of times at the end of this, you maybe receive one audit report that provides two opinions on these two items, or you may receive two separate audit reports with separate audit opinions, depending on management's preference of the opinion and how it is stated. Got it. So what is an auditor, uh, what are they trying to achieve? What are their objectives? Great point. So an objective of the auditor in an audit of internal control over financial reporting is again to obtain reasonable assurance about whether material weaknesses exist as of the date specified in management's assessment about the effectiveness of internal control over financial reporting. Typically, especially in an integrated audit, that's going to be the same date as your financial statement audit. So therefore your entity's year end. And they will also express an opinion on the effectiveness of internal controls over financial reporting in a written report and will communicate this with management as well as those charged with governance. All right, so we understand what internal control over financial reporting entails. We understand what an audit of it is and, and now we know what the auditors are going for. But could you provide a high level overview of what this means for a financial institution? Yeah, absolutely. And so really what we're looking at, and we start with the steps and we'll go over in a lot more detail throughout the series is a risk assessment over financial reporting. And so that is where entities management and those charitable governance will start. From there, they will then try and identify the controls of the significant areas that were identified during this risk assessment. And those specific controls become your key controls and really should be documented on what we typically see as a matrix. From there, you really want your department heads to make sure that they are reviewing these processes and procedures and controls that are documented on a periodic basis, just in case there have been changes to the process and wanna make sure those are updated and controls appropriately. After those have been established, then there is testing that should be performed and that should be performed on a frequent basis. And we'll go over that later on in the series as to what frequency that should be. And then once testing is done, sometimes there may be deficiencies that have been found during testing. And so therefore management should take this time to figure out the remediation process and if there needs to be a control change. From there, management will make assertions over the internal controls or financial reporting. And then your external auditor will come in and perform an audit of internal control or financial reporting to provide that opinion on the effectiveness of these controls put into place. So Kaylin, that's a lot of really great detail, um, you know, about what an institution should be looking at. And it makes me wonder, is there a guiding standard or some kind of higher authority by which an audit of ICFR is being performed? Yes, there is. Um, as with any audit of uh, financial statements or internal controls over financial reporting, the statement that we look for in this regard is the Statement of Auditing Standards, or otherwise known as SAS 130, and this really addresses an audit of internal control 
over financial reporting that is integrated with an audit of financial statements. And really, this is our guiding standard on which everything in this podcast series has been derived. It helps establish the requirements and provides guidance that applies when the auditor is engaged to perform an integrated audit. Awesome. So now that we have a baseline of, uh, of the information behind all this and we understand the background, when are these audits required? When should our audience start paying attention to this type of stuff? That's a great point, Ian. There are two different assets that go, come into play. So it depends on if your bank is a publicly traded bank or a privately held bank. For privately held banks, this is focused on the asset size as of the beginning of the year. And it looks at the call report that was filed for the previous year. And if your assets have reached a billion, then you need to become compliant with internal control over financial reporting under FIDESHA Part 363. If you're a public bank, what you're going to be looking at is the public float. And this requires that it's greater than 250 million as required is required for an internal control or financial reporting under SOX 404B. When an audit of internal controls is required under SOX 404B, the auditor will need to follow PCOB standards. And if so, they can combine the financial statement and the internal control financial reporting audit into one report. This podcast series really assumes that they will need the audit for fiducia only. And at this time, the auditor will be reporting on internal control over financial reporting under SAS 130 and under PCOB for financial statements, if applicable for a public bank. Makes sense. So I heard you say a few times SOX 404. And I know for me, when I hear that term, I, I tend to also think of COSO. Could you define that for us and maybe explain why it's referenced so often in audits of internal control over financial reporting? Yeah, COSO really provides a great framework and is referenced quite often in an internal control over financial reporting. And what this stands for is the Committee of Sponsoring Organizations of the Treadway Commission. And it is made up of private sector organizations with ties to financial reporting as well as internal controls. And it's there to provide a suitable and available framework with criteria against which management may evaluate and report on the effectiveness of their entity's internal controls over financial reporting. A lot of times you can think of this like US GAAP as it relates to a financial statement audit, but for an internal control over financial reporting audit. So Kaylin, if management's going to use this COSO framework to evaluate the effectiveness of the entity's internal control, are there objectives in place? What should they be trying to achieve? Under the COSO framework, there are three specific categories of objectives that management should really be focusing on, and those are operations, reporting, and compliance. Operations looks at the effectiveness and efficiency of an entity's operations, including its operational and financial performance goals, and in safeguarding of assets against potential loss. Reporting objective deals with internal as well as external financial and non-financial reporting and really may encompass a reliability, timeliness, transparency, or other terms as set forth by their regulators and recognized standard setters and the entity's policies. Compliance really pertains to the adherence to the laws and regulations to which the specific entity is subject to. All right. So it's really three main areas of focus. How should management break those down? 
is there a, a higher level of granularity they can get to in trying to achieve success there? Yes, within the COSO framework, there are five components to the framework. And then there's also what we consider 17 principles under these five components. The first component deals with the control environment. And what the control environment includes is the governance activities and the ethical tone at the top, including those charged with governance, such as your board of directors or board of trustees. And it also deals with the importance of a properly designed and operating control environment. And it is one of the most important components of an effective internal control system. Some brief examples of the principles covered under the control environment relate to the commitment and integrity to ethical values, the board of directors and making sure that they're exercising oversight. And you need to make sure management has established with board oversight that there's proper structure, reporting lines and appropriate authorities and responsibilities to meet these objectives. You also want the organization to demonstrate a commitment to attract, develop and retain competent individuals and to hold those individuals accountable for the internal control responsibilities that they have been assigned. Okay. So that seems like it covers kind of the big picture and, and making sure the organization has the right pieces in place. But how should management go about deciding what's most important and, and where the control should be uh, most strong, I guess? That's a great point. And this brings us back to the high level overview we discussed earlier and starting with a risk assessment. So the risk assessment process really starts with setting and defining the strategic and operational objectives of the entity. Management will develop high level objectives to support the entity's mission, vision and strategies. These objectives should be designed as compliance, operation or reporting objectives and may relate to one, two, or all three of these objectives. The risk assessment process is really a comprehensive and ongoing process due to ever-changing internal and external environmental factors. And so therefore it's not a one-time done assessment that you do at the beginning of this. Really, it should be looked at on at least an annual basis. A few of the principles covered under this component is that they done of identification assessment of risks of the entity they're gonna look at analyzing and determining a basis of how those risks should be managed. And during this assessment, they need to make sure that they're also considering the potential for fraud risk, whether that be internal as well as external frauds that the entity may experience. The organization identifies and assesses change that could significantly impact their systems of internal control through their risk assessment. So the risk assessment is really a way to kind of map everything out and take a look at your most critical areas. But so then going forward, how does management figure out if, if they're really achieving the level of oversight they need or that controls are in place over these critical areas? That's great. That brings us to our third component, which is control activities. And this is where a bulk of the work really occurs. So management uses control activities to manage the risks not accepted during their risk assessment process. And again, a lot of time will be spent here by management working with either internally in the departments or externally with a potential consultant, depending on the size of the organization. And they will select, develop and implement the controls for an effective internal control system based on factors unique to their entity. Examples of the principles under this is that they want to make sure they are mitigation of risk to the achievement of the objectives to an acceptable level. 
Also making sure that their control activities include specific controls over technology at the entity and that through policies, they have established what is expected and that procedures put policies into place for each of the specific departments in significant areas. We'll get into a lot more detail on the key controls and how to develop them and where to focus in our next episode. So please tune in to hear more. Absolutely. I think we could talk all day on that one, but we'll save something for next time. So now that management has um, a, a process in place and, and they're testing controls. How do they make sure key stakeholders are, are kept informed? You mentioned board oversight before, but the board isn't there day to day. What is management to do as far as keeping communications and, and the lines of uh, sight open? That brings us to our last two components of the COSO framework. The first one being information and communication. This component really should be aligned to management's responsibilities for their external financial reporting, as well as monitoring their internal control system. And the principles within this component focusing on that they're making sure that the organization obtains or generates and uses relevant quality information to support the function of internal controls. And that they are communicating these items internally as well as externally to making sure that the objectives and responsibilities of the internal controls have been met and maintained. So now moving into the last component of the COSO framework and that is monitoring activities. And so what this does is that management needs to make sure that the initial design of the internal control system really becomes the baseline for future monitoring of this system. A few principles under this component deal with selecting, developing, and performing ongoing and or separate evaluations of the controls that have set in place. And what this does is that it provides a base for management as well as the organization to evaluate and communicate any potential internal control deficiencies in a very timely manner. And so this really helps conclude what an internal control or financial reporting audit is and the systems that are within that aspect of it. So therefore, I will turn it back over to Ian and he will close us out for the day. Thanks, Kaylin. Before we go, I want to point out that in order to comply with independent standards under FDSHA regulation, your external auditors shouldn't be relied upon to provide an evaluation of internal control design or the operating effectiveness of controls in place. I want to thank you all for listening in today. We really appreciate your time and hope you can join us for the second episode in this series, where we'll give you more information on how to best prepare for implementation.